Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to, to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 17 to, to 25, and then we'll get into it. It says this, Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after the considered time, uh, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and they gave him the name Jesus. When you bow your heads with me one more time and let's pray. God, I thank you as we gather together as your people this Advent season that, that you are in our midst. And God, I pray that, that as we gather together that we know that you are here. We pray that, that your presence would be felt. God, we pray that, that your peace, that your love, that your joy, that your hope would, would permeate who we are this Advent season, that as we gather together around your word and, and what are uncertain and tumultuous times, that we would be grounded by the fact that though the world may change, you don't, that you are consistent, that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so I pray that, that as we look at this Christmas story, we would be grounded and encouraged in the fact that you are still the same, your promise is still the same, what you have done and are doing is still the same, that you are still here in our midst. God, will we leave knowing that we have encountered you and would we be better for it in Jesus' name, amen. So if you're taking notes uh, this morning, I've titled the sermon simply, Emmanuel, God with us. Right, and chances are if you've been in church for more than like three years, that's, that's maybe three Christmases you've been in church, at some stage you've heard a sermon around about this time of year titled Emmanuel, God with us, right? It, it's, it's kind of a, it's, the story doesn't change, like I said. It's the same refrain, it's the same idea, the truth stays the same, which is something that, that can mean that we kind of, we get to this time of year and we go, oh, okay, and we tune out a little bit and it's, yeah, yeah I've, I've heard it before, I've gone through the motions, but I want to encourage us that, that the story of Christmas stays the same and the profoundness of the story stays the same. Let's not miss what God has for us this Christmas season. I have a question. I figured, you know, they're contentious times, so I might as well weigh in uh, on, on the, the contentious topics. And so I'm, I'm going far beyond anything anyone else is talking about. I'm going to the root of the matter, the most contentious thing that I could think to possibly ask, which is, how soon is too soon to put out your Christmas tree? 
right? Like I know that households are divided over these topics, that, that there are, you know, husbands don't talk to wives for, for weeks, months at a time, because it, it's, it's a heavy topic, right? The, anything you're told in Bible college is don't talk about the, the contested, don't talk about politics, don't talk about religion, which is hard when we're a church, and don't talk about when it's okay to put up a Christmas tree. Heaven forbid we should say when it's okay to start playing Christmas songs, right? I, I know we have some, some advocates in the room, maybe for immediately after Halloween. Anyone a pro immediately after Halloween in the room? I know Nicole Tavita, there we go. Uh, is anyone, anyone you know, to, to get either end of the spectrum, anyone like a, who's, who's the latest? Just shout out a date to me that you think might be the latest to put up your Christmas tree. Is that never? Because I didn't hear anything. Is anyone not putting up a Christmas tree? You're like, oh, I'm just not, it's not really my thing. I'm not doing it. Oh, no, when, when, is the, when is the earliest that you think you should put a Christmas tree? First of December, yeah, yeah, I feel like that's consensus. I, I agree, I agree. Uh, my mum's birthday is the 12th of December. So growing up, we would never put up our Christmas tree before the 13th of December, right? Because respect mum, like come on, it's, it's mum's birthday, celebrate mum, then we celebrate Jesus, right? Not in our hearts, obviously, we're always celebrating Jesus and mum would never ask us to put her above Jesus, but we just wanted to create some space for, for mum. We figured Jesus was, was all right with it. Uh, and, and so, you know, in, in our house, as, as we came together, I put my foot down, I said, look, 1st of December is as early as we're going, no earlier. Cannot possibly be any earlier than the 1st of December, right? It's just unimaginable. So this year we had our Christmas tree up from the 1st of November, um, which was great. Um, obviously, I rule our house with an iron fist. Um, but it's interesting, actually, studies have shown that Christmas trees are going up earlier and earlier. Uh, across the world, the, the date that people are putting up their Christmas trees on average is going a week earlier, but in many countries, uh, and in fact, often the more kind of affected by lockdowns and pandemic, uh, those sorts of countries are going up to two weeks earlier on average to, to put up their Christmas trees, which I think is interesting. But I have a bit of a theory about it that, that maybe the reason people are putting up their Christmas trees is A, because they're like, let's get the year done. Right, put up Christmas tree means we're almost at the end. New Year is going to be amazing. It's going to be much better, right? Maybe that's it. Uh, but but I'm a bit more of a, an optimist. I think there's something about Christmas that people love. I think there's something about that kind of Christmas magic, that Christmas feeling, the the moments of of Christmas. And putting up a Christmas tree earlier, as I have experienced, and and maybe I've been converted a little bit. Uh, it starts to just insert something of a little bit of joy into your life. You know, you walk in and you see the, the Christmas tree sparkling, the, the kids get excited about it every morning, and, and something is, is built in you. And, and I have this theory that, that people love Christmas, not just people of faith, but, but everyone loves Christmas because there's something about it that, that even unconsciously people orientate themselves towards Jesus for a moment. And, and, and thinking about others, thinking about giving things to others, generosity, others focused and, and pursuing joy and thinking about family and love and pausing for a moment and embracing those ideas of advent, of hope and love and peace and joy that they unintentionally orientate themselves towards Jesus. They start not following him, but maybe following in his, his trail a little bit and something in them, that Christmas magic that people describe is really just drawing a little bit closer to their Savior. You know, in, the, in that moment, and, and I think maybe with all that's going on, people want a little bit more of that Christmas magic, but, but really what they want in putting the Christmas tree up earlier is they want a little bit of, of, of that closeness to Jesus. And let's be realistic, gifts are nice too, 
right? I'm not going to be like, oh, all we need for, for Christmas is Jesus. That is true, but I'm also not going to refuse, you know, if M's like, okay, so you don't want any gifts this season. I'll be like, no, no, no. All I need is Jesus, but all I want is Jesus and some Christmas presents. Those are, right, both the things. If I can only have one, I'll take Jesus, but Christmas presents are, are fun too. I don't want to rob uh, M and the children of the pleasure of giving, right? Like I don't want the Christmas, but it's, it's um, yeah, anyway. But I think it's interesting, you know, the presents, there's two things about presents. There's, there's presents that you want, those are nice to get. There's presents that you need, those are kind of, you know, like socks and toothpaste and that kind of feels like cheating. You're like, we're going to get this in the shopping anyway. I feel like you've just, you know, you've, you've put my Christmas budget into the shopping budget, which is very frugal of you, but also like, I'm not speaking to you, Emma, she's in the overload space. That's just a hypothetical example, obviously. Uh, and then I think the best presents are the presents that you want and need, right? Those things that you've been wanting, but maybe you haven't quite got for yourself, but, but they serve a real purpose in your life. I think that's kind of the, the perfect moment of a Christmas present. But to be honest, I don't know about you, but no matter how nice the gifts are or how early the tree goes up, in my life, I've experienced what I call a post-Christmas crash, Right, that moment come Boxing Day or maybe a couple of days after New Year's where, where the tree goes down. If you're like me and you had a, uh, you know, a, a living tree or you know, less living but once was living, a zombie tree in, in your house, uh, it starts to kind of drop its needles and it looks a bit worse for wear and, and you start pulling down the Christmas decorations and, and you start noticing the weight that you put on when you go to the beach and you're like, that second helping of Christmas pudding seems like a worse idea now. And, and the magic kind of dissipates and, and life resumes and, and it can feel like a crash after the moment, right? Christmas is great, but I think a lot of our, our festive activities of shopping and eating and, and just the festivity can, can be a form of escapism, right? Escaping the year, there's moments which are nice in the moment, but I guess what I'm wondering is, is, is there something in Christmas in which we can be reminded that maybe the goal in life isn't to live a life that we need to escape from? isn't to live a life in which we need a, a moment of festivity to forget all about it. And so today, I want to remind us of what Christmas is. And, and hopefully, if we can hold on to that, my, my prayer for us as a church is that this Christmas season, as we start this, this Advent season, as we move towards Christmas, we'll find Christmas, and the aftermath will be all the more beautiful because of it. See, my, my first point, if you're taking uh, notes that I don't really have points, I'm kind of going to build a bit of a statement. But my first thing I want to let you know about is that Christmas is the name of the celebration, right? Christmas is not what we celebrate. It's the name of, of the celebration. And, and, and there's something worth celebrating this Christmas season. I think in all of us, in all human beings, there's a, a long and an ache. And it's something that Matthew in the passage that we read understands all too well. Right, Matthew, in writing his gospel, he's writing to a bunch of Jewish Christians. And, and so he starts his chapter with, with a genealogy, which I know we, we all read every time we read Matthew chapter 1. We painstakingly read through the genealogy, right? Verses 1 to 16, we love it. We read right through it. We definitely never skip over it and get to the good stuff in, in verse 17. Never, ever, ever happens. And that's definitely not why I started my reading today in verse 17 rather than at, at verse 1. But the genealogy, as entertaining or otherwise as, as it might be, is actually really important because what Matthew does in supplying the genealogy is he, he basically summarizes the whole story of the Bible so far in just a few verses. Right? He says, God created humanity to rule. To rule means to care for and to nurture the earth. But, but just a few pages into the story of humanity, we find that if you know the story, we're not doing so well. 
ruling kind of and caring fairly quickly turns into, into destruction and, and, and hating people. And so God takes a single person, a single nation as an example to lead humanity back to purpose, to, to bless the world. In, in, in the genealogy, which I put up in small print because we all know it off by heart, that's verses 1 to 6. Right, God in this family of Abraham reorientating the world, blessing the world through one people. But again, this nation, this people, they, they don't do so well. There's ups and there's downs, but ultimately they ignore God and they pursue their own desires. And so they decide this isn't going so well. The reason it's not going so well is because we need a king. Everyone else has got a king. We don't have a king. We need a king. And so they make God give them a king. And so God gives them over the, to their desires. He gives them a king, but it, it kind of gets worse. It leads to the destruction of the nation. And so that's verses 7 to 11. And so then you have what was a people is no longer a people. What was a nation is no longer a nation. And in fact, instead, they're in exile, no longer even their own people, but a people living subjugated under other empires. And that's verses 12 to 16, the remnant, the exile, holding on, holding on to, to be a people again, but not just to be a people again, holding on to be a people that God would move through that we were a people set apart for God to bless the nations of the world through. We were a people who were meant to show a different way of being, a different way of living, and now here we are, not even a, a people, holding on to this promise in the midst of disappointment. See, and so by the time we get to Matthew, the audience who's reading the, the story of Matthew have this profound longing and ache. Because for centuries, they've been waiting and looking and hoping, and it's a longing and ache that, that if I'm honest, I think that we understand. It's that ache of seeing the world and knowing that it could be better. Of seeing the world and seeing division between people who should be united and knowing that it could be better. Of seeing people who are, who are the primary emotion in them seems to be rage and anger and hate when it could be love and hope and peace and knowing that it could be better. It's seeing it and knowing that everything isn't bad, that there is still profound good in the world, but it's not all good and it could be. Have you ever looked at the world and, and longed for it to, to be better than it is? Have you ever desired for an end to evil or injustice or pain, an end to sickness or brokenness or hurt? Have you ever tired of suffering both self-imposed and, and, and externally? If you can say yes to any of these things and you get where Matthew is coming from, that longing and that ache that Matthew's world knows so well is, is an ache that we know. And so this is where Matthew's story picks up. And, and it starts with a young couple, right? We know them engaged to be married. Their names are, there we go, right? You're getting into the Christmas spirit already. Well, maybe you're singing it by the end of the service. All right, and their names are Mary and Joseph. And sometime during their engagement, Mary is found to be pregnant. And Joseph knows, right? There are certain ways of knowing these things. And he knows it in that way, that he is not the father. And so his immediate reaction is not, wow, a miracle, praise Jesus, that would be weird, right? Jesus is still in utero. There'd be some, some impressive foresight there. His immediate reaction is, is he's like, man, this is, not, this is not how things are meant to go. He's a respecter of the law, but he also doesn't want to kind of cast Mary out as an, an ostracized person in society. So he goes about uh, quietly breaking off their, their engagement. And an angel appears to Joseph, which if, if I'm honest, that's what I'd need in that situation. Yeah, like I'd need something about like an angel to convince me uh, in, in that sort of situation. So I think it's an appropriate response. An angel shows up and, and, and tells Joseph that Mary's child has been conceived by the Holy Spirit and that they need to name the baby Jesus. Well, actually, the, the name that the, the angel would have said, I don't know what language the angel spoke, but the name that Joseph would have heard was Yeshua, 
Jesus is the, the Greek transliteration of, of Yeshua, and Yeshua in the Hebrew means Yahweh saves. And to double down on this, the angel says to do this because he will save his people, referring both to the baby and to Yahweh. What, what Matthew is saying, the point that he's making, is that this is a special child. That the ache and the longing is answered, and it's being answered by God himself. That when the family of Abraham couldn't fully do it, when the judges couldn't fully do it, when the line of David couldn't fully do it, when the prophets couldn't fully do it, God shows up and he does it himself. See, see, Matthew is claiming that God is coming to earth in this child named Jesus, and that is what we celebrate, right? Christmas is not the celebration. It's the name of the celebration. Christmas, if we go to the next slide, is the celebration that God has come to us, right? But, but Christmas doesn't just claim that, that this is a God somewhere way out there who comes to us, but that this is the one true God, that this is the God who spoke the world in the, into being, that this is the God who breathed life, His Ruach into us, who is gracious and compassionate, who is merciful and kind, who is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, that that God has come to us, that it's not just a gift that we want, it's a gift that we need, See, Matthew says in verse 21 that God comes to us in the person of Jesus to save us from our sin. See, sin isn't just mistakes. It's, it's, it's not just doing the wrong thing. Sin is ultimately us choosing to be our own gods, choosing what we think is right and wrong, setting it by our own metric rather than what God says. And when we do what, what seems right to us, all too often what happens is we ultimately introduce evil into the world. And it's easy to see that in the collective evil of the world, isn't it? It's easy to see that in, in the poverty and human trafficking and the abuse and the corruption that sin makes a mess of the world. But sin isn't just out there. Sin is also in here. It's the gossip that we all too easily justify. It's the, it's the drinking there was just a little bit too much. It's the inability to forgive. It's the proclivity towards being judgmental of others rather than extending grace. It's the temper that we can't really seem to control with the people who are closest to us. Sin is the harm that we do to ourselves and it's the harm that we do to others. See, Christmas is the celebration that God has come to us to save us from our mess. Not just what we want, but what we need. See, but what really gets me about this is it isn't just that God does it, but it's, it's how He does it, right? God, God doesn't just show up in glamour and pomp and ceremony, but God comes as a, as a child, born into chaos, into a, a sinful world. Immediately after Matthew chapter 1, we have chapter 2, and in it, it quickly tra uh, transitions from, from celebration to crisis, as Mary and Joseph and, and baby Jesus flee to Egypt to avoid King Herod's attempt to kill Jesus, right? God comes into the mess, into the chaos, into the hardship of life. As it tells us in Hebrews chapter 2, God put on skin and bone, taking on the form of a servant, Philippians 2, dwelling among us, John 1, as one of us. Jesus lives a, a fully human Life. He, he understands poverty. He experiences suffering. He weeps at his friend's grave. He's not aloof. He understands our problems. He understands our temptations. He understands our, 
our trials. He understands what it's like to pray, God, let this pass from me. Should I get the band up? I'm, I'm almost done. As the writer of Hebrews says in, in chapter 4, verse 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Can I read that for you one more time? We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. See, to round out this statement for us today, Christmas is the celebration that God has come to us to save us from our mess, not just what we want, but what we need. And to finish it, He's present. He stays. See, God just didn't just come to, to save us. He did that, but He came not just to save us, but to be with us. He doesn't just arrive to, to fix things up and, and leave. He remains with us. Jesus didn't just come to save us, but he also came to, to be with us. You might have heard it said that you can, you can spell love, T-I-M-E, right? For, for those of us who, who, you know, it's unfamiliar being in a school environment, I spelled the word time. That's, uh, that's what I did there. That's fancy. That's, uh, that's advanced level preaching to spell in your sermon. But we often, we, we measure the love of the people in our lives by the, by the ways in which they show up for us, don't we? I don't mean measure like take tally against people. If you're doing that, that's an unhealthy thing to do and you should probably stop. But, but I mean that we feel the most loved by the people who are often just present, who are often just, just with us, especially when things are hard, especially when it's, when it's tricky. Love is often expressed, and we know this intuitively, by, by presence. See, what I love is that Jesus isn't just a white knight riding in to save the day and then leaving us to our mess. Or he's not just a superhero, but he's also a friend that Jesus would meet us in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our hardship, in the middle of our suffering, in the middle of our almost but not yet, in the middle of us not having it all together and that He would be present with us. So maybe you're here today and, and, and for you, Christmas is a hard season. Maybe Christmas brings up hard memories, hard emotions. Maybe you just really don't like Christmas carols. Whatever it is, maybe it's, it's hard for you in this season. I want to let you know that that's all right. But you don't need to shy away. You don't need to put up a tree. You don't need a string tinsel. But you do need to know that God is with you. That in the middle of the hardship, in the middle of the suffering, in the middle of whatever it might be, He just wants to sit with you, to be with you. Emmanuel, God with you. Because presence is one of the greatest acts of love, which is why I find it so beautiful and so fitting that the final words of Matthew's gospel is a promise from Jesus. He says this, And surely I will be with you. Surely I am with you to the very end of the age. See, friends, Christmas is a celebration that God has come to us to save us from our mess, not just what we want, but what we need. And He's present. He stays. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, Emmanuel, God with us. See, my prayer for us as a church as we go into this Christmas season is that we would be people who carry presents people who carry something of Jesus with us into every moment, into every conversation. 
that this Christmas there might be some uncomfortable conversations with friends and family. There might be some disagreements. There might be some opportunities to burn bridges, to, to part ways, but that we would be a key people who carry something of God's presence with us, who would remind ourselves in those moments, no, Emmanuel, God with me, God in this moment, I don't know the right thing to do, but help me to do the loving thing. Help me to do the thing in which you get bigger. Help me to do the thing that, that would honor you, God. Help me to know that you are present with me. Church, our invitation is to be present to Jesus. And, and, and maybe you're here today and you've got questions about Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've got questions about faith, about this whole thing. And, and today I simply wanna let you know that if you would let God into your story, it transforms you from the inside out. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you declare with your mouth that you can accept what Jesus has already done for you. Christmas, we celebrate that, that He came, but, but we celebrate that He came because of why He came that He came to bridge the gap between us and God caused by our sin. That as the angel says to Joseph and Joseph declares over Jesus that, that this is a child born to save the people from their sin. That we were stuck in our sin, in our mistakes, in our mess, that we all sin, that we all fall short, that we are all sinful people, that we're all messy. But that God meets us in that sin and our falling short and He bridges the gap that we never could that that's what unites us, that we are united by the fact that we come around a God who saves us, that we honor a God, that we worship a God, that we follow a God, that we trust a God who came for us. That's a reason to celebrate. And so as heads are bowed, as eyes are closed, every time we come together, we wanna create a moment in which if you're here today and you're not right with God, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, that you can change that, that you do not have to leave today the same way that you came in. You can leave with an assurance of the fact that you have put Jesus in His rightful place as your God, that nothing else can occupy that space in your life, that nothing else can be your God, that everything else will disappoint you, that everything else will ultimately be an idol and crumble under the pressure. So if you're here today, heads are bowed and eyes are closed and you know that you need to commit your life to God for a first time or as a recommitment to receive His sacrifice on your behalf, to dedicate your life to Him. In a moment, I'm gonna invite you to pray a prayer with me, but just before I do, if you know that you wanna make this decision, to know that today was a day, the start of this Advent season, Christmas 2021, that you reorientated or for the first time orientated your way, your way your life towards Jesus. Friend, if that's you, today is a day of salvation. He's here for you. He's already come for you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you, would you raise your hand up nice and high and let me know. It's just you and me. Awesome. Others here today, no overflow space, we're saying that's me. When you raise your hand up nice and high and let me know. Beautiful. Church, can you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, today I choose to follow you. I'm sorry for the things that I've made what only you can be. Today I put them down and I receive you, your love, your peace, your joy, and your hope. I love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Church, the last thing I want us to do together on this, this first Sunday of December, is as you came in, hopefully you were given a, a little single serve of communion. Yeah, everyone got one of those? If you haven't, why don't you raise your hand up nice and high and we'll make sure our hosts get you some. But if you haven't got one today, we've got a few people who need them over here. In a moment, we're gonna take communion together. And what I think is a, a beautiful opportunity to remind ourselves what this season is about. See church, Christmas is gonna be defined by a whole lot of other people for a whole lot of other things. We're gonna have a whole lot of things that are good, but ultimately are not the reason for Christmas pushed towards us this Christmas season. And it's our opportunity to in those moments say that is a nice thing, but it is not the thing and to reorientate towards Christ. To as we feel grateful for our family, say, God, I am so grateful for my family. Thank you that this love that we share together is a love that has come from you. That as we share gifts to say, God, I'm so grateful that I get to give and that I get to receive. And I'm so grateful that everything I have both today and every day is simply from you. And so as we take communion together, I want you to do two things. Number one, I would love for you to invite God into your life again, into the mess. Even if you've been a Christian for a long time, you've been walking with them for a long time, I'm not saying that your walk is weak. I'm just simply saying, take a moment to remind yourself that He is Emmanuel, God with you. Invite Him into the mess of your life. Invite Him into the mess of December, the beautiful mess, but the mess nonetheless. And number two, would you imagine what it could look like for you this week to be present to others? See, as much as, as we receive we have the opportunity to give. And as everyone else in the world might be divided on issues, as everyone else in the world might take the opportunity to draw lines and say, this is us and this is you, would we be a people who simply say, we are all loved. We all fall short. We're all messy. And yet God meets us in our mess. And so if God can meet me in my mess, God can meet you in your mess. If God can forgive me for how I fall short, I can forgive you that we could show God's love, that we could simply show up. See, today it's a simple message, hopefully a simple reminder that God loves us so much that He comes into our mess to save us and to be with us and that we have the opportunity to show God's love by pointing other people to the Savior and by being present with them in their mess. As you hold the communion emblems in a moment, we're gonna we're gonna sing this refrain of Noel again. And as you do, I pray that you would embrace it, not just as a Christmas carol, but as a prayer that you would carry with you into this Christmas season. I'd love to pray. Maybe you've already eaten the cracker, that's fine. Maybe you've already drunk, that's all good. If you haven't yet, why don't you hold it? And let's pray together. God, we thank you as we come together as your people. God, as we take communion together, that we are reminded that we are sustained by you. God, as we take this cracker, would we be reminded of your body broken for us, that it is only in your strength that we can do anything. And God, that in this season, we need your strength afresh. God, I pray that as we take this juice, this cup, that we would be reminded that we all sin and fall short, but that in you, we are washed clean. Would we be reminded of how you see us? And as we receive your forgiveness afresh, would we be reminded of the opportunity that we have to love others as you've loved us, to be people of your presence, to be people who are present. In Jesus' name. 
Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. 